Well, good morning. Hey, you know, yesterday we were in uh, 1 John chapter 4, and we looked at the first three verses. Today, I wanted to go ahead and dive into the next three verses because together they form a single thought, and I'd like to sort of build on where we left off yesterday. So, if you wouldn't mind, open your Bible to 1 John chapter 4, and we're going to read the first six verses together, but we'll focus mostly and mainly on the last three verses. So John writes, again, starting in verse 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, of which you have heard that it is coming, and now it is already in the world. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us, and he who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So, uh, whereas yesterday we talked about the idea that there are false prophets out in the world and we're supposed to test the spirits, not just to believe everything that is said, but to test them. You know, we, we study the word of God. We, Timothy's encouraged to preach the word and by doing so, saving himself and his hearers from false doctrine and that kind of a thing. Well, here in the last four verses of this section, verses four through, or last three verses, verses four through six, uh, John goes on and, and, and draws a clear distinction between those who are of that um, kind of uh, uh, place and those who are the children of God. Uh, as a matter of fact, look again what he says here. He talks about how um, uh, we are from God, little children. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them. Uh, them and they in verse 5, if, if I can borrow pronouns for a minute. Um, but the idea of there being a distinction between us who hear from God and who listen to those who are like-minded in their understanding and knowledge of the truth of God, and those who, on the other hand, uh, have subjected themselves really to listening to um, the spirit of Antichrist, the false prophets that are going out into the world. And what, what John is basically saying is, is that in the same way that believers um, rally around the truth of God, we hear and discern the truth of God as we study scripture, as we converse about these things, as we dive deeper into the truth of God, as the Holy Spirit guides us into the truth and illuminates the scriptures to us. As we grow in, in our faith together, uh, we're, it's, it's like we're sort of tuned to that frequency, the idea that we are like sympathetic vibrations and that kind of thing with truth. Well, in the same way, unbelievers, those who are uh, really under the sway of the wicked one, those who are following after false teachings, those who are um, ultimately under the sway of the spirit of Antichrist that, as John says, is, is already in the world, uh, they too are tuned to that frequency. They are sympathetic tones uh, and vibrations with that. I'm not trying to be weird and new age. I'm just simply saying there is a connection there between, uh, or there's a distinction, I should say, between those who are ultimately under that uh, influence and those who are under influence of the truth of God. Now, this clear distinction between those who belong to the Lord and those who belong to the world is, we see this throughout all of Scripture. Um, you know, uh, uh, matter of fact, in, in 2 Timothy, Paul says, um, says this, he says, you know, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, speaking of those outside. 
but rather wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires, and they will turn away their ears from the truth and instead turn aside to myths, untruths, stories, fables, those kinds of things. Um, so it's, it's, they, are, they are in that. That's where they are. That's what they're connected to. And therefore, they only want to continue to raise up people who will continue to propagate that to them in the same way that we continue to seek out those who teach the word and teach it faithfully and prod us to think deeply about the things of God. In the same way, there's sort of this other side of the um, uh, other, you know, this other end of the spectrum. See, the other side of the coin wouldn't be right, but other side of the spectrum, where there are those who want to heap up for themselves teachers that reaffirm and reinforce those ideas, those myths, fables, untruths, and false doctrines in that. And understandably so, because Jesus said the end times would be marked by that. And so, as we move closer and closer to the return of Christ, we should expect to see this becoming more the norm, both the idea that there are those who are under the sway of the uh, the spirit of Antichrist and those who are under the sway of the spirit of truth, right? And the intensifying of the difference between those two is going to become more and more obvious to both sides. Uh, it is not a peaceful coexistence. There is a clear line of demarcation between these two camps and that line, much like the demilitarized zone, it's not just a line, there's a space, and I think that space in this context, will continue to grow wider and wider uh, as the warnings against false teaching uh, become all the more held to and embraced by believers and those who are subject to that false teaching reject the light of truth and move further away from it. Um, Jesus said, you know, in this world you will... Oh, matter of fact, let's turn to John 16, 33 and just read the passage because it, it's extremely poignant in this subject. Um, Jesus said in John 16, 33... Uh, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take courage, for I have overcome the world. I have spoken these things. He is speaking the truth to them, okay? So that in him, not just in his doctrines and rules and regulations that sometimes people think the Christian faith is made of, but ultimately in the person of Christ, you may have peace. Well, Christ himself is the dividing line between truth and error, between saved and lost, between light and darkness. This clear difference between the two becomes all the more pronounced once again as we continue to make our way through. But notice what John says by comparison to that, to that, um, again, spirit of Antichrist and the darkness that pervades uh, among those who are under that. By contrast, he says, look at how he describes those who are from God. He says, you have overcome them because greater is he that is in you, uh, who is in you than he who is in the world. Um, A, there's a difference between these two camps, but even more than that, as believers in, in Christ, as followers of truth, we have overcome that. Now that's particularly important back in their time because John was writing to people who were being persecuted uh, under Domitian, and, and there was just heavy persecution under uh, the Roman uh, leadership in the Roman world there uh, uh, upon believers, thrown into the Colosseum, onto the lines. They're being dragged out of their homes and arrested. They're being persecuted from every direction. They only have themselves to rely on and to trust and, 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 to, and to hold on with as they walk with the Lord together. And John says, you've overcome them. That's a good word. That's a uh, much like Jesus said, you know, be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. In me, you have peace, right? Because he's overcome the world. Doesn't mean we don't face difficulties and trials, persecutions, hardships in this life as a direct result of 
of the enemy and and uh, and those ultimately who are under his sway pressing against believers. But in the face of that, in the midst of that, and in spite of that, we are ultimately anchored to the one who has overcome, and so therefore we too have overcome. And so Jesus himself would say uh, again in John uh, chapter fourteen. Um, I love the the wonderful consistency and, and, and of thought between the letter and the gospel that he wrote and everything. But he speaks about how, um, in John 14, how the Father and Son will make themselves known, manifest, will make their abode with the believer, with the one who follows his commands and such, those who belong to him. Uh, he speaks about how the Holy Spirit will not only be with, but will be in believers. And so we have this connection uh, with the divine uh, triune uh, God who has invited us to come and to fellowship with him, to rest in him, to hide in him, uh, to be protected under the shadow of his wings, to um, to overcome because of the overcoming nature of Christ himself over sin and death. Therefore, we are in this world, but we are not of this world. We may be subject to the persecutions of it, but we rise above it, ultimately in terms of how we see it, approach it, and live in it, but one day we'll actually leave it behind and be in his presence. And so therefore, this is a temporary thing, and that perspective alone helps us to overcome in terms of our day-to-day living uh, with the Lord. Now, he goes on here in verse 6 and reminds them, again, we are from God, and he who knows God listens to us. Uh, And he who does not know God does not listen to us. This is how we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Those who speak truth, whether it be John, his entourage, those who are with him, believers in general, who are teaching the truth of of God's word and are sharing these things, those who are are of us, those who are part of the, the family of God, followers of Christ, believers in the truth of God, um, we listen to this, right? We want to hear more of this. We want to cling to this and build upon this in terms of our, our faith and our and way we live out our lives. We want to respond to the truth of God at the decision of rejecting error and false teaching, uh, again, that which propagates from the spirit of Antichrist. Those who hear us uh, you know, uh, uh, are from God, and those who are from God hear us, John is saying. In other words, as he speaks the truth, those who are of God hear that. They resonate with that. Those who are not, don't. And this is a visible evidence of the difference. Uh, when we're in conversation with somebody and, uh, and, and we're wondering if they're a believer, even if they say they're a believer, but when it comes to the truth of God, if they're averse to it, that's an evidence that they're not actually uh, a child of God. Uh, a child of God... Uh, again, hears, wants to hear the word of truth. I'm not saying that, you know, in a, in a young believer stage or maybe in a backslidden state, somebody may be a bit resistant to having that exposed or something. But but all believers at some point, um, when they hear the truth of God, they embrace it. They want more. They're connected to that. But those who aren't reject. And so therefore they don't hear. They don't listen. Um, Paul spoke a little bit to this too. Um, we turn to... Uh, oh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2 in particular. I'm going to read a passage starting in verse 6. Listen to what Paul says in regard to this difference. Yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, 
the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages of, to our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered into the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us God has revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, thoughts of God, uh, uh, even so, the thoughts of God, no one knows except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we are uh, we also speak not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words, or spiritual with spiritual. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised or discerned. And so again, there is this difference here now between the idea um, of, of those who hear and embrace the truth of God, those things that are revealed by the Spirit of God, and those who don't, because they, they can't understand them. They're spiritually appraised, and they don't have the apparatus through which to do that, uh, whether it uh, be through rejection or where they're just not there yet, whatever it might be, they're outside because they don't understand, and that not only not understand, but they actually see it as foolishness. In chapter 1, Paul would say how the cross is foolishness, or the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it's, the, it's, of course, the wisdom of God. And he goes on to make a whole case of this throughout chapters 1, 2, and 3 as he begins the letter. Matter of fact, in chapter 3, verse 19, uh, or, um, uh, uh, yeah, hold on a second. I think it was verse 19. Is that right? Yeah, here we go. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness before God. For it is written, he catches the one who is wise in his craftiness. In the same way that... Uh, not even in the same way. That's not fair to make a comparison, really. But the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But God is making known that the wisdom of this world is foolishness to him in his perspective From uh, in contrast to the true wisdom that is from God. Well, those of us who are believers embrace that wisdom from God. We seek more of it. We want to stand in and, again, build our faith and our lives upon it, our faith and practice. But those who see it as foolishness, those who are perishing, those who are under, again, the sway of the spirit of Antichrist and are subject to false teaching, false prophets, and that kind of thing. We talked yesterday about false prophets and all the different, uh, a number of different means by which uh, that could be, uh, you know, that can be expressed. But again, there's a stark difference between the two. And let me encourage you that as a child of God, uh, if you are watching this as a believer, if you're listening to this as a believer, continue to dive deeper. I love how uh, how Paul talks about it here, where he talks about how uh, the wisdom of God is revealed of it to us, leads us to the deep things of God. Uh, as God makes himself known through his word, we come to know him in a much deeper way, the depths of his truth, the depths of his nature and character, the understand, the connecting the dots of these ideas of the deep, rich theology that he has given us regarding himself. Let me encourage you to dive deeper, to spend time pouring over the scripture, not being content to read a few verses in a devotional and then sort of let that be the fullness of your feeding, but rather dive in deeper. Have the devotional times. I'm not diminishing that. We want just that time sitting and reading the word and just chewing on that for a little bit. 
but we also want to spend time poring over theology, looking at how these ideas are, are expressed in their fullness as we go through the scripture and put together these ideas and come to that deep understanding of it, because that also provokes, prods a deep uh, uh, worship of God as well. I'm often fond of pointing out how a, a good, deep, proper study of theology will always invariably lead to doxology or worship, glorifying God. Um, one of the, you know, probably the greatest example of this is Romans 9 through 11, which is, which is a difficult passage to want to, to go through and to really, uh, I shouldn't say it's, it's difficult, but it's, it's really more that it's just very deep. It forces us to have to think through things much like the whole book of Romans really. But I point to these passages because here in this, uh, as Paul is expressing in probably the best way human beings can, these deep ideas of God's sovereign nature and his, and his actions and such, at the end of it, he just worships. You read, the, read 9 through 11 and then come to the end of chapter 11 where he just glorifies the manifest, uh, you know, the manifold glory of God. He just worships in that. It's just beautiful. It's rich. It's wonderful. And it's natural. It's what comes from a study of theology. And so studying the deep things of God in scripture uh, is, not a, uh, is not just for mountaintop theologians. It's for people like you and me, people that sit down and read the scripture wanting to know God better. And as we do, we begin to understand these things in their depth, and we worship him. And again, that's, that's, that's how we're separate from the world around us. They see these things as foolishness, and it's unfortunately to their own harm. And our prayer for, for those, and, and if, if maybe you're watching or listening now, and you're, you're not a Christian, you're not a follower of Christ, um, and you're hearing these things, and, and maybe for the first time, you're starting to feel like, wow, well, I, I do feel like I'm on the outside. Um, let me encourage you that just because you're on the outside now, just because you are, as the Bible would say, one who is perishing, one who's lost, one who's outside of the truth of God and outside of the faith in Christ, that doesn't have to stay that way. Uh, you can change right now. Matter of fact, you can be changed right now. Um, any one of us, when we come to Christ, we, um, you know, we don't understand everything when we first come to believe. We learn, we grow as we do. Um, but we never plumb the depths of the richness of, of, of learning and knowing that relationship with Christ and knowing him more and more deeply as we get to know him personally through his word uh, and in prayer and in fellowship and those, those things that the scriptures encourage us toward. But it starts by coming to uh, the point where you admit that you're wrong, that you are in fact a sinner, that um, the reason you're outside of Christ is because you are dead in sin. It's, it's, it's our nature outside of Christ to be this. But Christ came to save sinners. Christ came to die for the sins of the world so that lost people like us could become saved. We could move from darkness to light. We could now move from the path that leads to destruction, ultimately apart from God and hell, and instead now move on the, the narrow path that leads to everlasting life. It's narrow because by definition, truth is. Truth uh, excludes error and falsehood. But when you know the truth and you stand on it and you walk in it, um, you no longer are worried about it being narrow. You're just thankful that the way was made known to you, that you might come to believe. And so let me give you that opportunity right now. You know, the gospel is simply this, that uh, again, as sinners, we were lost and hopeless, but Christ came, God in the flesh, God incarnate. Uh, John would say in his gospel in chapter one, verse 14, as he speaks about uh, Christ, uh, the word, uh, in, the in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. 
and this word became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, and we beheld his glory, glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. When we come to Christ, we're putting our trust in the one who came into this world to die for our sins, God who took on the sins of man and died for them on the cross. And then Jesus rose from the dead on the third day to life everlasting, glorified once again, that glory he left behind to come and to die for our sins. Now restored fully, he lives in glory forever, and he ever invites lost sinners to come and to trust him for their salvation, which means we're setting aside any other belief system, whether it's in another religion or in ourselves, to save ourselves. We set all that aside now, and we say, Lord, I trust you and you alone, because I believe you died for my sins and rose to everlasting life, that I too might rise to everlasting life with you, forgiven and free. So I'm going to give you an opportunity now to pray, to receive Jesus right now. Let me pray, and I'll invite you to pray with me um, as we do. Father, I thank you so much for your grace and goodness toward us. Thank you for separating us from the darkness and destruction that we were destined to and putting our feet instead on a rock, setting our feet on the path that leads to everlasting life uh, and a a path that surely leads us there. Uh, we uh, We don't have to worry that somehow we're not going to be in your presence. As a matter of fact, You've even taken the work off of our shoulders. You've asked us to simply come and believe and allow you to change us and make us new. And so, Father, I pray for those who are watching or listening and who have never come to that place of confession and receiving the grace and that forgiveness that Christ has accomplished for us. And so, Father, I pray for them right now that they would no longer put this off, that they realize that they're on the outside, but that they also then now come inside um, in you. And so I just pray that, Father, uh, they would respond even right now. And if that is you, I invite you to pray with me right now. Heavenly Father, I confess to you that I'm a sinner. I'm guilty of all of my sin. It is no one else's fault but mine. But I confess that to you. And I also thank you that Jesus came into the world and died for my sins on the cross once and for all. And now my debt has been paid. I thank you that he rose to everlasting life and that it helps me to know that there is now life beyond the grave and hope beyond death. Thank you for loving me and for forgiving me. And I now put my trust in Christ who died for my sins. And I ask you to help me to walk with him every day until I see you face to face. Help me when I'm weak. Pick me up when I fall. Give me strength where I'm weak. And help me to live a life that blesses you and makes you known and glorifies you. Leaving my old self behind and seeking day after day to take up my cross and follow Jesus. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for taking hold of my heart and my life. I'm yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, and uh, and I hate to sound trite about it, there's nothing magical about the words that I used or anything. This was really just your opportunity to come before the Lord and confess and, and receive, uh, because maybe you've never thought about how to do that. So I'm glad you did. Praise the Lord for that, and welcome to the family of God. Now, as far as what's next, let me encourage you to find a good Bible-teaching church, a church that will take the Word of God and teach it from cover to cover, and help you to understand it so you can grow in your faith alongside of other believers who are growing in their faith. 
Um, spend time in prayer, which is simply talking to God, letting him know what's going on in your life and in your heart when you're struggling and those kinds of things. Uh, you have a father in heaven who hears you and longs to uh, just invite you into that deeper and deeper relationship day by day. You're not going to be perfect all of a sudden, practically speaking. Positionally, in God's sight, he sees you through the finished work of Christ now. The angels in heaven rejoice because a lost sinner has now come and been saved. But that doesn't mean that you're never going to fail. You're never going to sin again. And when you do, you come to the Lord and you say, Lord, please help me with this. I, I know you, that Jesus died for this, but I'm struggling with this and I need your help and your strength to overcome this. I don't want to live in this kind of sinful life anymore. I want to leave that behind and be more like Jesus. But that, that just comes as we come to the Lord and, and he helps us and we begin to see him give us some victory in some areas that, um, that were real struggles before. But it's, it's all just a matter now of walking with him. I encourage you to, you know, whether you're watching this podcast or whether you find other good, solid Bible teaching uh, podcasts out there, just fill your heart and your mind with the truth of God and spend time every day reading the word. I'll encourage you to start in the New Testament, but do read the whole Bible. Uh, but read about Jesus. Read what Paul had to say as he explained the gospel and what it means to us, practically speaking. Uh, read like John, uh, his letters and such. Read the whole Bible. Read all of it. It's all God's word to you. But we want to understand, um, uh, as we grow and learn the word of God, we want to learn how it applies to us. And so this is why good teaching is important and that kind of thing. So uh, you can always reach out to us, by the way, if you want to uh, comment in the comment section below this video, or if you want to send me an email, you can go to my website at parsonspad.com, and you can email me there or from our church's website at calvarychapelfranklin.com. Uh, and uh, by the way, if you if you live anywhere uh, in Middle Tennessee around the Franklin area, come out and visit with us. Grow alongside of us in our church and that. But if you don't, find one nearby you that is a good, solid Bible teaching church. If you need help with that, let us know. We'll try and see if we can't help you figure out a good one nearby you. Uh, and certainly if you need a Bible, uh, in the um, uh, under this video, you'll see a link to the Gideon's app. And uh, you can download that app on your, your mobile device. And, uh, or you can go on the website and that, and you can uh, get a copy of the Bible in your, not a copy, but you can uh, s search the Bible in your language. There's, I forget, a couple hundred languages uh, worth of uh, Bible versions there that you can, translations that you can understand in your language if you're not in the United States. Um, you can also listen to it on audio. It's a really cool app, and I'd recommend downloading it to your phone or your tablet or whatever. So, but okay, well, praise the Lord. Thanks for joining today. And uh, we'll look forward to catching up again next time as we go through the word and as we seek to grow deeper and deeper in our relationship with him. So God bless you. May the Lord bless and keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace forever. Amen. <laughs>